Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're going to bring that uh, rejoin music down and go to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where right now uh, President Trump is meeting with law enforcement uh, officials. Uh, in fact, he just a moment ago was speaking uh, with a representative from the area. I believe speaking right now uh, is uh, Representative Brian Style, who represents uh, Kenosha County uh, in Congress. So going now to that meeting between the president and law enforcement in Kenosha, Wisconsin. A lot of the men and women in law enforcement those on the front lines. I spoke to a gentleman that had a brick thrown at him. I've spoken to law enforcement officers who had horrific words said about them. And these men and women are members of our community that wake up every day, put the badge over their heart, walk out the door, sworn to answer the call to protect our community. And I think you coming and saying thank you to those men and women in law enforcement speaks volumes. And today we have public safety restored. We appreciate all the work you did on that. And now we begin the work of healing and rebuilding Kenosha to make Kenosha stronger than it's ever been before. Good. We thank you very much for being here, Mr. Thank President. Thank you, Brian. Great job. Uh, David Beth, Sheriff, please. Mr. President, thank you so much for being here. Um, when this started Sunday night, we knew it was going to get worse, but we really didn't know how bad. And there is no way that one, or in our case, two agencies can work together to fight what happened. When we put out the call initially to the state and, and local law enforcement here, it was a tremendous response, but it still wasn't enough on Monday night. The National Guard started coming on Monday night and started helping us, and their numbers kept growing. And we called Brian on Tuesday morning early, the, the leaders of Kenosha, and we said, we'll take help from whoever will send it our way. We'll, we want to protect the people of Kenosha, the city of Kenosha, the county of Kenosha. We want to protect it. And Brian said, I'm going to make a phone call. And a short time later, uh, we knew that the resources of the, of the United States, of the federal government and of the president, were on its way. And uh, we, we knew that it took a little, a little uh, uh, discussion uh, between state and federal levels. And but we're very thankful that it worked out because, as I said, I didn't care who I got help from. I wanted resources here, and after it was approved, uh, and, I, and I got the word that the president said, whatever you need, it's coming. And I had some of uh, some very, very important people from Washington tell me, the president, I have to report to the president, Mr. Barr, and tell him what does the sheriff want. And, I, and the resources just kept coming. The people kept coming. The, uh, the gratitude kept coming for, and, and I heard stories, and I probably shouldn't share this, but some people that were in Portland 
that weren't treated as good as they were treated here. And they said, we can't believe what a different place this is because of how we all worked together rather than not wanting to work together at all. So thank you for being the president that likes law enforcement. On behalf of law enforcement, I'm telling you, the group that's here, I, I hope you could feel the, the love that they have for you and everybody who came. And, and uh, uh, it's quite an operation to watch, to be part of. And truth to me, I life, my life, I never thought I would see anything like this. And hopefully I never have to see this again. But uh, the resources that, that uh, in this case, the federal government and you provided, and, and Mr. Barr and, and Mr. Johnson and the people here, it's unbelievable what we have here right now. And uh, it's all to protect the people of Kenosha. And, and uh, I still, I'll take any help I can get, and I thank you for it. Thank you, Sheriff. I'll tell you, you've done a great job. And, you know, just if they're watching, uh, Portland or Chicago or New York or any one of other cities that we're talking about, but Portland probably would be so easy. It would, maybe that would be the first one, because I see it every night. It's on the news. It's burning. And they're always playing games. And I don't know. Then he gets up and says, we're trying to work together. And the whole thing is great. Then they want to burn down his house last night, the mayor. But we're ready, willing, and able to send in, uh, you know, a massive group of people that are really highly trained. You saw that. They're here. Your experience, right? And we could solve that problem in less than an hour in Portland. So I hope they call. Eventually, they'll call. And at some point, Bill, will just have to do it ourselves. We're going to have to do something that's uh, uh, that I think the people will be extremely happy with. Maybe the mayor won't and maybe the governor won't, but I don't know if they know what they're doing. I, I just so sad to watch it happen. But here you acted uh, and acted appropriately. Please, Daniel, go ahead. Mr. President, first of all, thank you for the support. Thank you for coming to what is uh, small town America. Kenosha has 100,000 people. By uh, national standards, we're still small. But what you also have here is a reaction to, is an attack on small town America. The tactics that are being used across this nation to attack law enforcement are, are warfare type tactics. And we still use restraint and function within our rules. So those two together, there's, there's, not, an, there's not a tit for a tat. They're, those aren't equal. So with the ability of the National Guard to come out and assist us, with a tremendous outpouring of support from the federal assets, from every department that, that has come out, we were, we were, excuse me, we were able to restore peace, and we're working toward uh, order and, and, and healing and growth. And as part of what is going on in the world, police scrutiny is not a bad thing. Police or attacks on the police and the things that are happening that lead to riots, that's not about police scrutiny. That's not about right. anything else. Those are, those are legitimate attacks. So what worked for us was we certainly had a unified command. We had a unified mission that normally takes some time to build. But instantly, between myself and the sheriff and the local leaders, the city administration, county, we pulled together. We worked with the city. We worked with the state. We worked with officers from southeast of here, and there's not a lot. You're listening to Kenosha. Law enforcement officials meeting with President Donald Trump in Kenosha, Wisconsin right now. Also in attendance at this meeting, uh, just to the left of President Trump, is Attorney General William Barr, along with other congressional leaders of the area. 
you're hearing this back and forth. Understand, of course, that this is uh, an assemblage of individuals all brought together by the president. Uh, it is expected he will also be meeting with uh, business owners in the area. One meeting which will not likely take place is between the president uh, and the family uh, of the man uh, who was shot just last Sunday. There was some back and forth, and the father of that young man expressed to the the president, or at least in response to the president's uh, replies, that he would like to have that meeting in the presence of some attorneys, but would not like to politicize things. Ultimately, in that back and forth, uh, a meeting was not able to be arranged. Uh, Not likely it will be arranged while the president is there, uh, but that is what's happening right now. Let's dip back into that, uh, that conversation, see if there's anything else worth hearing right now. Partners not only with the Department of Justice, but with local communities every day to protect Uh, the citizens of those communities. We're providing law enforcement here in Kenosha some assistance um, until you're able to rebuild and and get back on your feet. So um, certainly want to uh, extend our appreciation for what you do. And let me just say um, the attacks on law enforcement recently, I've been very vocal about that, uh, are very disgusting. Um, We need to thank our men and women of law enforcement. They put on a badge in a uniform every day. They're attacked every day for simply wearing that uniform and doing their job. So, uh, again, on behalf of the 240,000 men and women of the department, I want to say thank you to the local law enforcement for doing your job uh, and protecting your communities. Thank you. Really nice. Thank you. Pastors, would you like to say a prayer? Yes, sir. I'd love to have that uh, because you are so highly thought of in the area. So please, James, share. Sure. You should pray. Please. Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for this time that you've divinely ordained. Father, we ask you to forgive us all where we've strayed from your ways and where we've not acknowledged your word. We ask that you would continue to cause this nation to be one nation under God, that you alone are the one who can make us individual, indivisible. And by being indivisible, there will be liberty and justice for all. We simply pray that you would bring our nation back to you, that your word would be dominant, that you would cause us uh, to walk in love, to live in love, restore empathy and compassion, kindness, concern for each other. Lord, I pray for our president, as your word says, that you would strengthen him and continue to give him the wisdom and the heart to lead during this time, as well as, as all of the leaders that are here. We give ourselves to you, and we ask you for your good hand to be upon us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 That was the conclusion of a meeting between uh, President Donald Trump and law enforcement. Where? Uh, well, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. As you well know, the scene uh, of, uh, of a shooting uh, last Sunday. A shooting which has, according to the man's family, left him uh, paralyzed. Uh, we have heard word today, though, that his uh, condition is improving. Uh, and that shooting, as we have observed on the nightly news and uh, wherever you get your news... Uh, has given way to to violence, to violence in the streets of Kenosha. And the president made it known uh, the other day that his intention was to visit that community. The governor, the mayor uh, there said, no, 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 president, why don't you rethink that? Well, uh, we have just heard from uh, law enforcement, very appreciative 
of the president's visit, very appreciative of the aid he sent in the form of the National Guard and very appreciative of his willingness to be on the side of law enforcement, to be a president uh, who is one who stands by uh, law and order. And I am appreciative of that. I also know that his duty uh, is larger than simply supporting uh, law enforcement. You must do that in, in its entirety, but you also need to be sensitive to the needs of the community. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, learning what it is that the president has to say to uh, the business community. A number of small business owners have had their uh, their property uh, destroyed uh, in this community as these uh, maybe at one point protesters uh, when that behavior elevated into uh, violence and destruction. So uh, the president is in Kenosha. Uh, he's meeting with folks now. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we are going to jump into this question of uh, vaccines. Dr. Anthony Fauci has weighed in on the timeline of vaccines, what we need uh, in terms of numbers uh, for them to be effective for the community at large. And also, also, you remember this conversation you and I had just yesterday about the 6%, 6% of individuals who passed away due to the coronavirus solely with no underlying conditions? Well, Dr. Fauci weighed in on that as well, offered some clarifying instructions. We'll share that with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Uh, we're going to go back to this meeting uh, between the president and law enforcement in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Right now, he, uh, alongside Attorney General William Barr, taking questions from reporters uh, right now, speaking on the issue of body cameras. I believe the Kenosha County Sheriff is uh, answering a question at the moment. We'll turn to that now. Police violence has been described as just the problem of a few bad apples, repeatedly. You're going to have to speak up, please. Yeah. Uh, the problem of police violence has been described by you, including President, uh, as just bad apples, a few bad apples, or people who choke occasionally. Um, some African-American community leaders, and a lot of others actually, have said it's systemic. Where do you f- stand on that? I don't what believe you- that. No, I don't believe that. I think the police do an incredible job, and I think you do have some bad apples. I think you'd agree. Every once in a while, you'll see something. And, and you do have the other situation, too, where they're under this tremendous pressure, and they they don't handle it well. They call it choking, and it happens. And uh, no, but I don't believe that at all. I think they're, I've met so many police. I have the endorsement of, like, so many, maybe everybody. And frankly, I think they're incredible people. They want to do the right thing. It's a tough job. It's a tough job. It's a dangerous job. But I I have to say this to the police, the... uh, the people of our country love you. You don't hear that. You don't hear it from them. But the people of our country love you, and they respect you, and, they, and you know it. You feel it in your heart, or you wouldn't be doing it, or you wouldn't be doing it. But there's a great love. And when they see what goes on, and when they see a, a case like this where it's solved so quickly, they respect the police a lot, really a lot. So I, you should hear it, at least. Mr. follow on that, um, we're focusing on violent uh, actions, but there have been countless nonviolent protests here in Wisconsin and across the country this summer. 
Uh, people calling for an end to systemic racism. Do you believe systemic racism is a problem in this country? Well, you know, you just keep getting back to the opposite subject. We should talk about the kind of violence that we've seen in Portland and here and other places. It's tremendous violence. You always get to the other side. Well, what do you think about this or that? The fact is that we've seen tremendous violence, and uh, we will put it out very, very quickly if given the chance. And that's what this is all about. Uh, yeah, I keep hearing about peaceful protests. I hear it about everything. And then I come into an area like this, and I see the town is burned down. I mean, you look at Minneapolis. They should have acted much quicker. When we got the National Guard in there, it took literally a half an hour. You saw the scene. They formed. They walked. It was over. And they haven't had a problem of any consequence since. Their police weren't allowed to do the job that they could do. They have a very good police department, but they weren't allowed. Now they want to break it up. They want to end it. They don't want to have a police department. They want to not only defund, they want to get rid of it. It's ridiculous. So I just say this, that uh, the kind of violence that I saw, you may have protesters, but you have some really bad people, too. You have anarchists, and you have the looters, and you have the rioters. You have all types. You have agitators. And that's what you should be focusing on with your question. I keep hearing about pro peaceful protests. It's become really, I think it's hurt the media very badly because you'll have somebody standing on one of the networks. I won't say which one, but there are more than one, many of them, saying how it's a peaceful protest. And over the shoulder, you see the whole place is burning down. It's become a pretty common sight. So I don't view the peaceful protests. I think peaceful protesting is fantastic. I think it's great. But by and large, this is not peaceful protest. When you walk into a, an area and you see buildings that have burned down, and fortunately here we stopped it early, and so the damage is relatively minimal. But when you look at some of these areas that they just don't ask for the help, they refuse to allow us to go in and help them. And by the time you get there, the place is, is disintegrated. And then they say it was a peaceful protest. It's not a peaceful protest, and you shouldn't call it a peaceful protest. Okay, uh, one more, please. Could the pastors answer my question, please? My question was to the pastors. Say it again. The peaceful protests that have happened. You're going to have to speak up, sir. The peaceful protests that have happened, you've acknowledged some of them are peaceful. They're calling for structural change. Mr. Blake was shot seven times in the back. Do you believe that there is a need? For structural change. What is your message? Well, I think people, people are, are calling for structural change, and then you could take the people of Kenosha that aren't here and that you won't see and that aren't protesting, but they want change also. They want to see law and order. That's the change they want. They want law and order. They want the police to be police. They want the police to do what they do better than anybody else in the world, and that's what they want, too. You don't see them marching, and you don't see them on the streets, but what they want is they want great police force. They want uh, people that are going to keep them safe, where their houses aren't broken into, where they're not raped and murdered. That's what they want. And they're protesters, too, but they don't walk down the street, up and down the street. So, uh, you know, just the way it is. Just the way it is. So I want to thank you all, and I'll see you back at the plane. Thank you very much. Thank all right, you. that's the end of the president's time with reporters. He there answering questions alongside, uh, you can't see him, but uh, Attorney General William Barr traveled to Kenosha, Wisconsin, alongside 
uh, President Trump. He, uh, with law enforcement officials, the Kenosha County Sheriff uh, and others, and some pastors from the community have been discussing over the past stretch of time here, about an hour and a half, uh, some some of the appreciation felt by law enforcement for the support that they have enjoyed from the president. And then as a question and answers uh, from reporters uh, commenced, you heard uh, how that played out. And so uh, that is Chapter 1 of the president's visit to Kenosha. Chapter 2 will be in his interactions with business owners who have faced uh, destruction at the hands of some of those moving through the streets of Kenosha. Uh, you call them what you want. Are they protesters? Are they rioters? Uh, are they vigilantes? Uh, whatever it is, there's been some destruction, and the business owners there are paying the price. The president meets with them next. All right, uh, a few more minutes in this segment before we go to a break. I want to uh, quickly talk to you uh, about uh, some some updates on a story that you and I discussed just yesterday. Uh, the CDC has released you know that new data that uh, that shares that that 6% of the of the total number of individuals here in America who have passed away uh, with the coronavirus only 6% of those individuals have done so while only suffering from the coronavirus they 6% uh, free of all other complicating factors they were uh, not in any high risk category they weren't obese uh, they didn't have uh, cardiovascular disease uh, or diabetes or anything like that uh, anything from that long list of comorbidities. Well, uh, Dr. Fauci uh, was asked about that uh, on Good Morning America just today, and he discussed and clarified exactly what the CDC was communicating uh, when they shared those details. CDC came out with uh, a, a statement which really did reflect the reality uh, that, in fact, if you look at the people who have been who died of COVID disease, the point that the CDC was trying to make was that a certain percentage of them had nothing else but just COVID. That does not mean that someone who has hypertension or diabetes who dies of COVID didn't die of COVID-19. They did. So the numbers that you've been hearing, the 180,000 plus deaths are real deaths from COVID-19. Let there not be any confusion about that. It's not 9,000 deaths from COVID-19. It's 180 plus thousand deaths. So you got that straight? Uh, I have some thoughts on that, and uh, due to the, uh, the, the meeting there in Kenosha, I won't have time to share them with you, but uh, as, as I uh, kind of digest all of this data and I digest the clarification from Dr. Fauci, I think what this information tells us is that we need to, at a policy level, really start analyzing uh, the guidelines uh, that are applied to the various groups, those who are at high risk uh, need to be taking, uh, I believe, uh, extra special precautions. Uh, when compared to, uh, say, the individuals who uh, don't don't possess any of these comorbidities. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. We'll have to do that another time. Uh, it's time for a break right now. When we come back, uh, this is a story that has been uh, just surprising. I, I had no idea that this uh, was going to come up. And it's the question of hazing. Yeah, hazing. You, you know there was a, a young man that uh, appeared on the doorstep of former Salt Lake City Mayor Jackie Baskupski. He was fleeing... He was fleeing some upperclassmen who intended, according to the young boy, uh, to shave his head in an act of hazing. And I want to talk to you about hazing next, and later on we'll be speaking with the former mayor of Salt Lake City, Jackie Biscupsi, coming up on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. 
Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.